Well, good evening and Merry Christmas, and it's a joy to be here uh, this evening with you folks. Our church is coming together to worship on this Sunday evening. Our scripture reading tonight is taken from uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. The writer of Hebrews says this, For is not to the angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little low, you made him for a little while lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he let nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. Crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he, may t- he might taste death for everyone. May this, the reading of the word of God, be a blessing and encouragement to us uh, this evening. And tonight, as we look at this, and again, it is significant. Here we are on a Sunday evening, worshiping God and worshiping through psalms. And it was, it's a joy to be here. And on the, it's also Christmas Eve. Now, we all understand that nowhere in Scripture are we required to have a holiday celebrating the birth of Christ. However, we are commanded to uplift Christ constantly and continually. And tonight, as we do this on this Christmas Eve, we want to see him. We want to see Christ and who he is. And as we have read from Hebrews chapter 2 with the writer of Hebrews going back to Psalm chapter 8 as we read earlier, we'll see how this all comes together. We want to see him tonight. God's Greatness and exalted glory came through he being humiliated and him suffering. The author of Hebrews, the preacher of Hebrews, is emphasizing how superior Christ is to angels, how he's superior superior to the Mosaic law, how he fulfills all that, and anything else that's out there, Christ is superior. He is far greater than anything. And here we are reminded as we look at this that Christ is now exalted. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And we are told that he comes to that place through his incarnation. The fact that he was made lower than the angels. God becoming flesh. He's now exalted. It began with him becoming, humbling himself to become man. And the reason why he became man, as the text of scripture shows us, and as we know the truth, is for the purpose he was born to die. He is born to give us life. He was born to take our place. He was born to pay the penalty for our sin. He was not he came to be humiliated in the sense he condescended and also to suffer. Then he's exalted. 
Also, as we'll see tonight, that and be reminded that he is coming again. That is the hope that we have because of Christ's coming. That is the hope of Christmas. Yes, he was born to die, but also he is coming again. So as we look at this passage of scripture, he reminds us how Christ is superior to angels, for it's not to the angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. So here, picking up the idea, again, read the first part of Hebrews, first chapter, he's talking about Christ being superior to angels. And now he's saying it again, he is superior to angels. Now, many Jewish Christians had a thought, and the Jewish tradition was that the angels brought, gave the law to Moses. And angels had more of a role to play than they actually do. But they are God's created beings. They're God's messengers. We understand that. But here he's reminding them that Christ is greater. Because look at verse 6. The first part of it says this. It has been testified somewhere. Here the author's, author of Hebrews is interesting. He says, it's written somewhere. Now, he did not say it was written in the Psalms, which we know what it was. So, what he's doing here is showing to us the authority is not in the psalmist. It is the authority, this is God's word. And he's taking God's words, and somewhere in the scriptures, it says this. So, at times when you and I are speaking to people, and we can't remember the chapter and verse, don't worry about that. The writer of Hebrews here doesn't remember. But the authority is in the fact this is God's word, this is God's truth. And so as the preacher of Hebrews here is reminding, just making him passing and mention that it's testified somewhere, this is God's word, this is God's truth. This is what's really important. It doesn't matter if David said it, or some other psalmist said it, or even the author of Hebrews says it, the fact is God's word. He is testified somewhere. And he's quoting from there uh, Psalm 8, as was read earlier. And I just want to turn back there, if you would, or if you can. If not, just... Here is the psalmist is writing. He is... The context of Psalm 8... I want to say Romans 8. Here he is talking about how man is the highest part of God's creation. And even man has sinned. And it looks at this and says, what is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. If you think about this, the psalmist is writing this, mankind has rebelled against God. He is in open rebellion against God. The first Adam sinned and plunged all of us into sinful depravity. And he says, and he, and he says look at this. And in verse 3, I love verse 3, says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place, what is man's? You look at the greatness of all God's creation. You go out in a clear night, and you can see the majestic creation of God. You can go at any time, anywhere, and see how majestic God's creation is. And the work of your fingers... Look at the heavens and stars. They're just like the finger work. They're just like the little things. How majestic that is. And he says, look at this. And they, they look at this. The angels look at this and say, why is God so mindful of man? Because he loves. 
And because we provided Redeemer through Jesus Christ. The angels that rebelled do not know redemption, cannot know redemption. But mankind can, humanity can, man, men, women, and young people can know God. And it says, why is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Listen, we deserve nothing but God's eternal wrath. But God cares for us. And it is remarkable that he does care for us. And we look at all this and we still see that even though we rebelled against him, we're lower than the angels. We're remembered, loved, and cared for deeply by God. Even though we deserve none of that. In fact, as you read through Psalm 8, we see that God crowns us with glory and honor. The psalmist is in all of this reality. We deserve nothing but have been given everything. And this is what the psalmist is referring to. And here also the writer of Hebrews is uh, reminding us. And of course, if we look at Hebrews chapter 2, here in Hebrews chapter 2, the writer of Hebrews is applying this passage to Christ, even though he's unintroduced of verse 9, as we'll see in a few moments. But here, look, let's look at this again in Hebrews chapter uh, 2. What is man that you're mindful of him? And son of man that you care for him. You made him a, a little while lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. You put everything in subjection under his feet. God, you've done this. And the writer of Hebrews is taking Psalm 8 and under divine inspiration is saying, this is referring to Christ. We see him in verse 9, who was made for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. Think about this. As we remember and celebrate Christmas, as we this Christmas Eve and Christmas morning, we remember Christ. Many of us will be reading Luke chapter 2 tomorrow with our families or some relevant passage. Here is, and here is Christ in his humiliation. Think about this the creator of the universe becoming man. The creator of the universe becoming man. This morning in our service, we looked at Isaiah chapter 9, and he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. And you look at those titles of who God, of who Christ is. Here is Christ, the creator of the universe, coming to earth to take upon man, to become man, so he can take your place and my place and pay the penalty for our sins. And notice here in our text says, you made him a little, for a little while lower than the angels. But you crowned him with glory and honor. Christ is now exalted. We know Christ came. He was born in a manger in Bethlehem. He lived his life. He was crucified, brutally tortured, but yet died but rose again the third day, and then he sent to glory, and now he is ruling and reigning, sitting in the right hand of the Father. For a little while he was humiliated. For a little while Satan thought he won when he crucified him, when he had him crucified. But Christ rose from the grave, and he sent to glory, and he is coming back again. That's a glorious hope that we have. For a little while, but now he's crowned with glory and honor. And also referring to here, putting everything in subjection under his feet. 
He has the authority. He has all authority. All authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Heaven and earth. Christ is ruling. He is the Lord. He is sovereign. He is doing all things, but began with him becoming lower than the angels, coming to earth, becoming man, dying and rising again from the grave, ascending to glory. Everything is under his authority. And notice your last part of verse 8, he says this, Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not see everything in subjection to him. Here we're reminded that everything is subject to him. Even though it does not appear that way sometimes. A lot of times in our lives, in our society, and we look back in history, look what's going on in the world today, we are, God, are you in control? Absolutely he's in control. Absolutely Christ is ruling and reigning. Absolutely none of that has changed. Though we do not yet see it. But what do we do see in verse 9 reminds us this. Even though it may not look like he is in control at present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him who for a little while was made Lord of the angels, namely Jesus. We see him who is crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So even though it does not appear, but yet he is ruling and reigning. Yes, he has an authority. We see him. We see Christ. And we've been talking about Christ throughout this message this evening. And we see him. We see how, how he humbled himself. To become man. Because the only way mankind, humanity, could be redeemed is if they had a sinless substitute. And that sinless substitute had to be human and had to be God. It wasn't Moses. It wasn't Elijah. It wasn't anyone else but Christ. He is the only one that could do that. And he willingly did this for us. We see him. For a little while, I was made lower than the angels. But now, he's crowned with glory and honor. He is crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. Born, God coming in the flesh. Born in a manger in Bethlehem. Lived his life. Suffered throughout his life. Went to the cross, suffering greatly. And as we read in the Gospels, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know what's so remarkable about that question? And this question, that remarkable about this question, how I, one thing that God used to help me understand how remarkable that question was, was when my mom was dying with cancer 20 odd years ago. And a lot of times when we struggle with life, we ask questions, why? And she said this, Mark, remember this, I, she's asking why. There's a lot of things she's looking forward to, seeing her grandchildren grow up, all those things that we would anticipate from a human perspective. Asking God why wasn't the problem. Because Christ asked the question why. 
And what's more remarkable with that, Christ knew the answer why. You and I don't always know the answer why. But Christ says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he knew the answer. So we can see him and we can uplift him and look to him. And understand as we read through the book of Hebrews that we have a high priest who makes intercession for us. Who is tempted at all points like we are yet without sin. He asked why. And it's okay to ask why. The problem comes if we ask why and blame God. But know this, even going back to uh, Psalm 8, crown glory and honor. Christ suffered and was victorious. And because he suffered and was victorious, so shall we. We win. That's the great theme of Revelation is this. We win. We suffer, but yet we win. We see him who was made low, for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. Crowned with glory and honor because of suffering of death. Because of the suffering of death. And here we see why he suffered death. Here we see, look what it says here, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Interesting phrasing here. So here's the grace of God. We ask for God's, we're saved by God's grace. We ask for God's grace. But notice here the grace of God. That he, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For without the grace of God and Christ going to the cross, dying for us, taking our place, paying the penalty for that, dying and rising from the grave and ascending to glory and ruling and reigning, without him doing that, not one individual could ever be born again in the Spirit of God. We would not know salvation. We would not know the founder of salvation. Because this is what Christ did for us. This is remarkable for us. That we would see God's grace at work. That in the work and the life of Christ, as he gave his life for us, he tasted death for everyone. For without him, because Christ, God's Son, represents all of humanity as the new Adam. Christ, Adam, the first Adam failed. We understand that. Here's the second Adam. And at what he did for us. This is remarkable. This is encouraging. This is challenging for us. He became a lowly human. He identified with us, came to earth, performed his work and lived a life of suffering so that he could not just die, die a humiliating death, but a vicarious death, taking our place for everyone. Dying in our He tasted death, which one commentator said this. It was Grant Osborne who said this. He said, he tasted death. It's a strong, ancient idiom stressing that he experienced the full enormity of the cross in all of its shame and pain on our behalf. To taste is to experience 
fully. All came because by the grace of God. And because of this, we're pointed to Christ for salvation. Because of that reality and of that truth that he did for us. As our text of scripture reminds us. And we want to be able to see that tonight as we look at this, this powerful passage. So on this Christmas Eve, on this night of worship, may we see him. May you and I see afresh the reason why he came. The reason why he came, as we've heard tonight, is not that we may exchange gifts. Though that's nice. It's not because we can have a grand feast. Though that is nice. That is not why he came. For a little while, he was made lower than the angels. May we see him. God, the creator of this universe, coming in flesh, becoming man. Born to die that we might... Behold and see and experience the grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. There is none of works. Lest any man should boast. And so tonight may we remember this reality. That yes, he was born to die. But not only did he die, but he rose again from the grave. He is ruling and reigning right now. Even though it may not appear that way. Rest assured because God's word says so. He is. And the, here's another reality. He is coming again. When? Don't know. That's not my department. But we know the promise of this. He is coming again. And tonight, if you know Christ, if you know Him, may you see Him and be reflective of what He's done for us. And since we are in him, we know this, we win. And if you're here tonight, in this Christmas Eve, in this evening service, and you do not yet know him, you know about him, but don't know him, you're not winning yet. You're under God's wrath. But notice the text of scripture reminds us, he tasted death for everyone. He paid the penalty for yours. Oh, trust him. Trust Him. Tonight, may we see Him. May we see Christ.